Welcome to episode 328 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It's still opening day, April 4th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by my co-host for Sunday nights on a Monday night, Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going, man? It is not going too poorly. Um, even though my team is playing poorly, they're going to go 0-162. Um, obviously. Is, uh, obviously. It just, it, it's going to happen. It's already writing off 2016 this year sucks. But other than that, it's not bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's hard for it to be bad when there's real baseball on and tons of it. And I felt so amped about opening day. I'm like, I'll do two podcasts. I don't care. Now, this is coming out Tuesday. Obviously, you're listening to this on Tuesday, April 5th, but we're recording it on Monday night. A little bit after, a few hours after Eno and I talk, we got some more gameplay in the books. We got to get Jason's thoughts on the Luke Gregerson situation that Eno and I talked about earlier. I have, I have a feeling that Jason's going to be a little bit more animated and uh, feel a little bit more strongly about it than either Eno or myself did. We both, you know, we both go for uh, for Giles for sure, but uh, we certainly don't feel the pain quite as much as you do. So we'll get into that in a moment. Talk a little bit about maybe some lineup. Uh, choices uh, today on opening day and then we're just going to dive into the games the games that have gone on we're going to bounce around it's not going to be the format every uh, episode that's for sure but we got to get some games under our belt so right now you know i'm not going to analyze what somebody's two for four he's hitting 500 i think he's going to regress probably to about uh 215 uh yeah so it's not going to be useful if we do that so we'll just pull little tidbits from oh why not why not i've got uh, let me read you a text uh from one of my diehard Philly friends. Uh-oh. Let's see. Oh, he said, where'd it go? Uh, da, 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 da. I, only, I know this is great airtime because this this is really worth it. Um, Galvis is going to win the Silver Slugger <laughs> Boat Club and MVP award. Just keep going now. That's true. He does have a, a 1333 slug. That's pretty darn good. You add it to his OBP, he's at 1666 for the season. And I don't know the last time someone put up a 1666 OPS season. My guess is that if it's ever happened, it was probably Barry Bonds. Um, let's dive in then. Let's let's let the folks know they can hit us up on Twitter at Spore, at Jason Collette, at Eno Saris. I know he's not on the show, but you know I plug all three all the time. Please rate and review the podcast. You guys sent us over 400 reviews, and we're very grateful. 412, 369, nice, of which are five stars. We greatly appreciate that. Our composite rating is a five star because of y'all. We're really appreciating that. If you haven't rated and reviewed, please do so. We really like to move up. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier today, thank you all so much for listening to us in the off season, really keeping us top 20. We'd like to be top 10 on the regular in season. It's our time to shine now. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that uh, devastating move for you. And, and you can explain why it's so devastating to folks when you learned that Luke Gregerson was going to be named the closer in Houston over Ken freaking Giles. Let's just trade 94 prospects for a middle reliever. That's apparently what Houston did. This stung you big where and how upset are you? Stung me big in tout wars because that's $18 that I spent on Ken Giles. In a 12 and I thought it was a great buy because Kimbrell and, and, and Britton and Davis all went for more than that. And Allen all went for more than that. But I guess that's why they went more than that because they actually had jobs. So, um, <laughs> We, I mean, fist, we fist pumped. We fist bumped on on that. I was like, I was running the board. We were like, man, that was a great buy for that for that exact reason because we thought he was locked down. He was the first one that came out. We thought he was locked down. Uh, you know, when you trade that many guys for him, let's let's separate the real and the and the fantasy baseball. So fantasy baseball, it sucks. It, it sucks because I didn't even bother handcuffing him with the two dollar Luke Gregerson that Larry Schechter has. I think he threw him out at two bucks. I remember thinking in my head, I don't handcuff. Why? I mean, I not that, you know, not that Gregerson's bad, but I don't handcuff and you don't, I mean, they went out and traded for him for a reason. Now let's go real baseball. You know, it's not like Luke Gregerson's garbage. Our last memory of no. Luke Gregerson is him not being able to get it done late. Actually, it was most of their, most of their bullpen because Harris didn't get it done. Sip didn't get it done in that la in that game four situation. But if you line up the skills uh, of Giles and Gregerson, their batters faced Giles faced more batters last year, 298 to 239. Um, their their strikeout minus walk percentage identical, 21%. Strikeout rate Giles wins 29 to 25, but 25 is not chopped liver. 25 is good. Giles has got twice the walk rate, 8% to 4%. Um, Gregerson has a, a lower fly ball percentage. His fly ball percentage is 23%. That said, when he leaves it up, it gets bombed. 15, you know, 13% home run rate last year, and he does. Uh, batters do make more contact. 86% uh, contact within the strike zone. Z contact versus 81 for Giles. Swing and strike rate identical. Both guys 15%. First strike, 
Giles 60, Gregerson 67. So this isn't chopped liver. No, no. The, and the one that really jumps out to me, because Eno and I actually didn't get into it, because you know we were on the side of, listen, Giles' strikeout rate is way higher. He's got the better, quote-unquote, closer skills. I didn't realize Gregerson was at a 15% swinging strike rate, though. Oh, it's, all those he, sli- it's all those sliders. No, and yeah, and he's when he's that nasty... Maybe he can turn up the strikeouts. And then if he's a little bit, you know, I mean, like you said, 25% is not chopped liver. The reason, that's why we use K percentage, by the way, because 25% is an elite rate, but 8.7 might not jump off the page at you. It's because he doesn't walk anybody. So Giles has that higher K9, and you like that K9 because it, it matters. That's we're, we're dealing with volume here in fantasy baseball. So I understand why you lean towards someone like Giles. I'm definitely not changing my position there. I, I, I remain in the Giles camp. But you need to look at that K percentage to get a better feel for how good Gregerson was last year. And I, I missed that because I didn't see that he had a 15% swinging strike rate. And he's kind of regularly been in the teens. So maybe he could get more strikeouts. But the fact is, he gets a lot of cheap outs with a 60% ground ball rate. So he's almost like a, a better Jim Johnson. Remember, Jim Johnson had the filthy ground ball rate, but could never really get the strikeouts going, even if you gave him the benefit of percentage over K9. Right. He was right. still in like the sixes and sevens and like the 20% range. And that's just, that doesn't make me comfortable, but 25% makes me a little bit more comfortable. So I still, I still think Giles is the guy who can be the ace, ace, ace closer. But like you said, they didn't go to some piece of garbage here. They're still going to be fine in the ninth. And honestly, and I've said this before, when, when the better guy doesn't get the job, we only are mad about it from fantasy, because if you really think about it, we've said this in the past that teams should use their best guy Bingo. as the seventh, eighth. Bingo, and, that and was my next point. <laughs> so they're, they're doing it right. And, and the only reason we're pissed is because we know how good Giles can be in fantasy. But I actually applaud them in a real baseball stance. And that's something I didn't get to bring up with Eno either. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, 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 it's something that we've said before when guys have lost the job, including the Giles. When, when they had Papelbon, they didn't trade him. We were big Giles investors last year. We're saying, you know what? They still got their best reliever in the most critical situations. Right. And that was going to be my other point is that the fantasy guy in me is pissed. The real baseball fan in me and the and the Astros fan from the kid is really happy because like this is kind of what the problem was. You know, if you think back to that game, they had they brought Gregerson early because Will Harris wasn't getting the job done against that high contact lineup. And you look at that swinging strike rate for Will uh, for Will Harris last year is eight percent. It's mm-hmm. half of what these guys were. So then you know they tried to they had to try to get Gregerson to extend him and get extra outs. So the real baseball guy in me applauds this move. The fantasy guy who had Ken Giles is <laughs> very mad. It's off. Very, <laughs> he spent very 18 mad. bucks and didn't handcuff him. So you know to separate the two of them out. And if you're if you're like me and you have and you have Giles, you really here's your fantasy play. You've got two things. You trade him to the guy that has Gregerson at some kind of discount that you have to trade you because you're not getting the full value or yeah. you hold him because and then you and you and you're in the same boat that you were last year with Giles because yeah, as much as you and I hate Papelbon the person, Papelbon the skills last year were good. And He's that's good. why Giles didn't picture. get that job. We thought he was going to be traded. We weren't thinking the skills were going to decline. We thought he was going to get traded. Now, Gregerson has the skills. He's always had the skills. Now, he's also had moments where they haven't held up. Sure. And maybe that's what happens. So that's that, those are your two paths. You either wait it out and hope he vultures a lot of wins. Uh, uh, in that taking a multi-inning reliever role, which he probably has, or you sell him to the guy that has uh, that has Gregerson and some kind of discount and take what you can get out of it. So let, let's spin it on you then. You know, and I were saying hold. We're 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 holding um, in, in situations where we do have him. You're in that critical situation. It's it's real tough in an A only, particularly a 12 team. It's so deep to lose such a clutch piece there for the saves. Obviously, you could still get his ratios in case. Are you going to entertain something with with Larry Schechter to try to maybe get something back? Like you said, you know you're going to be taking a discount, but I doubt he'll take you to the cleaners because he he can't really. I mean, you can trade the asset, but it's still very valuable to have Giles in a 12-team AL only. What, what do you think you're going to do? All right, so if you look, if I look at his roster right now, these are the pitchers that he has. I mean, I would, I would want to trade it for pitching, even though I have a ton of pitching. I would probably look to still go pitching because I don't have another guy. To, my only pitcher on the bench is Tropiano, who doesn't have a job yet. He's still in the minors. So we've got Chris Tillman, no. Darren O'Day, no. Keuchel, that's not even in the discussion. Dickey, no. Um, Jimenez, no. Odorizzi, not, you know, Odorizzi, Quintana, those are the two guys. And if I'm in his shoes, I'm not sure I make that. I don't make either of those deals. Yeah, that, that'd, be, that'd be tough to make. So I'm going to so. sit tight. I took a look at it earlier today. I said, you know what? Nah, I'm just going to sit tight. 
I don't blame you. I think that that's the right call. As you know, and I were saying, we could see Gregerson losing the job just because, you know, like you said, the skills can fumble every once in a while and that he was never really trusted with the job in San Diego. So if he has like a two, three game blow, it might only take a small sample before they pull the plug because contending teams can kind of overreact sometimes to that. So we'll kind of see how it goes. Obviously, we'll keep you up uh, abreast of the situation in Houston. But as it stands right now, Gregerson's probably going to get you know good month leash at least. So if Giles was your main saves component, you better go searching. Uh, I saw a little bit of interesting tidbit here with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. just want to see if, if it's strictly a lineup thing because of the, who they're facing or if you think this could become a regular thing. Chris Owings getting the start in the center field, batting second. Now, it is a lefty, and he is a righty, but he, he's not that good against lefty. So it's not like he's some automatic lefty killer. But is this just a situation where Socrates Brito, the young lefty himself, is not going to be getting a face, uh, you know, even mid-level lefties like a Jorge De La Rosa, and that's why Owings is in? Or do you think he's going to get a legitimate share in center field? I think he's going to get a legitimate share, but I mean, they don't have another terrific internal option. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen things like, oh, they should go get Michael Bourne. Well, there's a reason Michael Bourne was cut and released. If you want to go get Michael Bourne, go pick up James Loney. I mean, it's, we're talking about the same <laughs> skill set. Uh, you know, Michael Bourne is aged like BJ Upton has aged quickly Ooh, before our Melvin, eyes. Melvin, uh, whatever. I don't go by. I don't go by BJ anymore, dog. Yeah. He's always going to be bad, bad BJ to me. Um, so. You know, I think they're going to give him every, they need to see if they're going to hold tight, then let him hold tight and see what happens and go from there. But I legitimately think he's going to get it unless the defense is just so bad it doesn't happen. And that that's kind of going to be the key with with uh, with Owings. Can he handle the defense in center field? He's obviously a middle infielder going out there. Wasn't that great as a middle infielder? That's probably why he's being entertained as a as a center fielder. It's a guy I I can't remember when we last spoke about him if it was me and you or me and you know and i mentioned you know, i can't really quit him as a guy i've been in on a bunch in the past and so i do kind of have one foot in i didn't go all in with him but i got him in in two deep leagues just just to give it a shot in case it's finally time for owings you and i chronically early on guys like comically and chronically for me it extends i know you quit fantasy football god bless your soul um, but it happens to me in football even in basketball Something that I, you know, I don't even fancy myself very good at. I play like one league a year. I would always get the guys there. I remember being early on Kevin Love, being early on Derrick Rose before he won a freaking MVP. So that's just me. I'm chronically early on guys, and uh, so that's my that's my rationale with going to the well for Owings one more time. Let's move on to the games, man, because we got some games. Even though Mother Nature did her best to snuff a few out. We still got plenty of games to talk about. Now, start in San Francisco, or start in Milwaukee with the San Francisco Milwaukee game. We'll get your brief thoughts on Madison Bumgarner. Just want to ask you if you're concerned at all. Now, he did have the flu. I, I kind of called it into question on Twitter, and I was wrong there. I was corrected that it was a legitimate thing that the flu was definitely going through the team. He sounded like crap after the game. Apparently, he was blowing mad snot rockets and all that sort of stuff. I can't tell though. He blows snot rockets all the time, so that's just par for the course, I thought. But I'll give him something for the flu, but I'm also worried about this foot neuroma for Bumgarner on his plant foot and five walks. We haven't seen that kind of performance out of him since 2013. The last two years, he's, he's been somebody who really stifles walks. So I've got a little bit of concern. Eno's got a little bit of concern. Where do you stand after seeing this? I know it's one start, but how do you feel about Bumgarner? Um, I didn't get to watch too much of the game. I was listening to Bob Uecker, um while doing not while a bad, working today. Not a bad way so, to do yeah, it, by the way. Did did not stink. I got to hear uh, Chris Carter driving his first run with a walk. So when you're <laughs> when, you, when you're walking Chris Carter, and uh, it, it didn't even sound like the pitches were competitive. That was an issue. I think the the one thing the one bit I did see was the 800 foot home run that Scooter Jeanette hit today. <laughs> He does not uh, hit lefties, folks. First homer no. against a lefty ever, and it was a shot. I'll tell you yep. what. Not cheap. <laughs> I'm glad you brought him up. Let's talk about him quick, quickly here because here's the thing. Got off to that wretched start last year. Gets sent down. I thought maybe a little bit prematurely, but listen, the t the – Folks who run the team, maybe they know things a little bit better than I do because he went down, came back up, 
got back on track. So maybe it was what he needed, even though they thought it was a little bit prompt to do it. They, they went for it. Oh, I think he also got hurt, too. So there was actually a DL stint, comes back, continues to struggle, and it was at May 17th that he got sent down. So maybe that isn't even too early. Maybe I was just completely off the mark there. That's a month and a half, and he was hitting 154 with a 403 uh, OPS. Granted, he missed two weeks. It was still 21 games of just completely lost. Kind of like another second baseman last year, Rugnet Odor. Uh, and he didn't quite come back to Odor levels. Odor was a monster when he came back. But if you look, June 11th, when Scooter Jeanette returned, he was right back to his 2014 self, which is a solid player. 287 batting average, 733 OPS. He hit five bombs, uh, which paces out to nine for a full season, which is right in line with, with, with what Scooter Jeanette can do. And I think it's almost exactly from an average OPS and full season home run total what he did in 2014. So he got back on track. He went in the Cactus League, had a big, big spring. I know we don't go crazy over springs, but there were changes and focuses. He wants to get out of being a platoon player. That was something that he said he's committed to. I don't want to be somebody who cannot play against lefties. So, yeah. you know, I don't know how we, I don't have splits on spring training. I don't know how much of his 434 average was against lefties. But the fact uh, is 434 in Arizona is like below league average. <laughs> that's true. Especially this. I think even this season, it was particularly high because I know every San Francisco starter got ripped down there. Rich Hill got murdered down there. So there were guys putting up numbers left and right. But, you know. We're not going to put too much into the spring either way, but the fact is we can look back at 93 games last year and say he was back on track. If he's adding some growth here, you think Scooter Jeanette can play his way into a full-time player? Yeah, I mean, when you look what's behind him, what's behind him is Colin Walsh, a Rule 5 guy yeah. who, that really knows how to take a walk, or at least he did in the minor leagues. I mean, 20% walk rate. Somebody that I picked up for two bucks in my 12-team NL only draft last night just because I needed somebody, uh, and I, I took him. But that's when your when your competition is basically a Rule Five guy, you have every chance to not platoon, and uh, they're probably going to give Walsh try to find ideal matchups for him to give him a chance. But otherwise, uh, you know, obviously facing Bumgarner is not an ideal matchup for anyone. But if you know, for Jeanette, for him. If if the goal's there, and like like we talked about last week or the last time we recorded, you know, if Danny Valencia can do what he did last year, you can't rule out a guy if suddenly having some success against something if he's changed something Especially. mechanically. Something. I mean, I didn't get a chance. I haven't taken a look to see what's different uh, for Jeanette. If he's done, if he's made any mechanical changes, we saw that nothing was changed for for uh, Valencia. Uh, it's just some short term success there. But you know, if if Jeanette's going to play every day. And we, we talked about this a little bit last year because we rostered him in labor. Uh, he was one of our late, you know, one of our late picks. He was our, our second base or our middle infield in labor yep. last year. Uh, you know, we said we didn't want him getting 475 to 500 plate appearances because it's going to hurt his batting average. Yeah. Cause those, uh, those will just be wasted plate appearances against lefties. That could still happen. That could still happen this year. If he gets over that, then if he's going to play that much, I think you have to adjust your batting average expectations for him. And, and it bumps up his counting a little bit. Okay. I think that that's completely fair on Jeanette. And you mentioned Danny Valencia, somebody I don't really believe in, but we'll see. Also had a big spring with the power. So maybe I'm, maybe I got to go back to the, the drawing board there. But we asked Dan Farnsworth on it. He didn't really see anything. You studied the heat maps and, and kind of the pitch types and everything. You didn't really find anything. So I don't know what's going on there. But at least Scooter Jeanette, you're talking about somebody who's five, six years younger, doesn't have as firm of a track record of, of not being able to hit lefties as Valencia did against righties. So... We'll see. It's a situation to monitor. I think at the very least, you're going to get 2014 Jeanette, which is fine. It's an above average player. It's more of an MI middle infielder uh, than it is a second baseman. I think even in National League, I would prefer him as an MI. I think he's really more valuable there. I, I mean, that's stating the obvious, I'm sure. But, you know, I'd rather have a, uh, maybe a Colton Wong at second base than a Jeanette at MI. But uh, I think he's played himself back, kind of worked out of the uh, of that hole that he built early last year. Anything else from this game? The San Francisco offense really went off. Uh, they had a back-to-back-to-back homer situation with Denard Span. Uh, oh, were they, were they, was that guy tipping his pitches? Had to have been, right? I, 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 watched, mean, the highlight, I watched the highlights uh, in, waiting in the parking lot. He got lit uh, up. I mean, they... Denard Spam was just all over that. Posey was out. Of, I mean, Spam was on it out of the hand. Um, and then uh, I saw the Posey bomb. And then was Panic Duffy in the, middle. the other one? Panic, Panic. was in the I'm middle. Sorry. Duffy hit a, uh, his own That's right. before that against uh, But Torres. when I thought, but when you give a back-to-back-to-back, especially, I mean, 
none of those were cheapies either. And none of those are power <laughs> hitters. So it does feel like something, you know, maybe those. And I'm, we're not trying to downgrade those three guys, Span, Panic, and Posey or anything like that. It's just when you see the three in a row, some of that is usually on the pitcher making some errors, you know, whether it's pitch tipping uh, or, or just awful pitches, maybe going to the same pitch. He didn't have anything else and was just fastball, fastball, fastball. I didn't see that I had actually shifted over to the other game at that point, and I was podcasting with Eno, so I missed it. But, man, they, they unloaded. Span had a day. Welcome to the ball club. Two for four. Five ribbies. The bomb. Two runs Five scored. ribbies. Five ribbies is probably 20% of a season total, too. Uh, I, come, yeah, come on. He's not, a, he's not a ribby guy for sure, and he's popping five on, on opening day. That's got to feel great for him. Duffy with another four himself, two for five. He also hit a bomb. It wasn't part of the the back-to-back-to-back. Uh, the, the back to back. Four ribbies, three for four for our boy Brandon Belt. It ain't about skills, folks. It's never been. It's always been health. If Brandon Belt stays healthy, he's going to be a stud. I will guarantee that. I do not think that a full season of health from Brandon Belt will yield anything more than an all-star caliber player. Love that guy. Um, On the other side, VR did hit a home run as well. So uh, Bumgarner got taken out twice. We mentioned the five walks, the three runs, five innings. You know, he got it out the fifth inning there. Uh, make sure because it was almost an easy W at that point. And I understand you want to get out there, at least get the five. He was sick. We'll see how he is. That was not an interesting game unless you're a San Francisco fan. All the other games, though, have been pretty darn close and interesting. We'll see if uh, if your boys can climb back in against Toronto. But everything else, oh, I guess, I guess this uh, this L.A. game has been a, been a snooze fest. Not I, can, I could talk a couple of things with the Tampa Bay game. First of all, Danny Farquhar is coming in in relief in the seventh inning uh, tonight. That's yeah, early. so if you're trying to – but then again, I mean, who knows who's going to close, but Farquhar, maybe this has something to do with the last time he's pitched in a game too. He may have so been like, okay, we got to pitch somebody's, but just something to note is he's doing that. Michael Saunders has a double and a home run tonight. Uh, need, the home run was not cheap. It was one of these straight-up uh, dead center, and Kiermaier came within two inches of, of pulling it back in. But <sighs> – to know these were both off of Drew Smiley. So lefty on lefty damage, another guy that has historically not hit lefties and looked good uh, tonight against Smiley, who was otherwise sharp. I mean, he gave up a laser to Donaldson. Uh, and that's expected. When you, if you're setting D, if you were playing DFS today on FanDuel and saw why Donaldson had like an eighteen thousand dollar price tag, <laughs> eighteen thousand. He's facing a lefty, but his number it was it was like so much higher I'm than sh- I'm sure else. it was absurd, and and it, it needs to be against lefties. It yeah, needs absolutely, to be. Should be. Uh, and and so that's the expected. But he gave up home runs to Josh Tolley. Uh, and and then Saunders today, two guys that have historically, I mean, Josh Tully's historically stunk anyhow, uh, but neither guy has ever hit the lefties well, and then both of them um, went yard today, but Smiley struck out six and walked one in six innings. Otherwise, you know, otherwise looks sharp. And uh, so Farquhar's in there now, and uh, that's really, those are the points. And then, you know, Dickey made it five, but, he labored through five innings. It was fun. I made a tweet about it. The knuckleball, you don't appreciate it watching live action. It's a slow-mo replays as you see it change direction three times. You're mm-hmm. like, how does anybody hit that kind of stuff? But that's really where, you know, that's really where um, that game is. I just wanted to make a, you know, the couple of notes about where Farquhar's, uh, where he's at and the fact that Saunders, I mean, he, Saunders had a really good spring. And, uh, you know, so far I've watched both games and the swing really looks good. He's staying in on the baseball and not pull, not opening up and pulling off the ball. And uh, swing looks good. It's kind of like the belt point. You know, the skills were there two years ago. Yes. We liked it last year. He got hurt uh, on a sprinkler head. and thought it was going to be a quick one, too. They kind of made it yeah. seem like he might actually return in short order and he never really got back on track. We're talking about Saunders here. Uh, I, I wouldn't go. I was actually going to make that same point about belt. I wouldn't go as far as to say that if he's healthy, it's 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 all star level, but it's not too far from that, particularly from a, if it's fantasy all-star level, because uh, Michael Saunders also has some sneaky speed. He gets some double-digit uh, stolen base capability, so if you're getting 18 bombs, bunch of ribbies, bunch of runs on that team, and you know 10 to 13 stolen bases, 13 was what he got his, his last foolish season in 132 games 2013, that's a fantasy That's a fantasy player there, especially that's if the batting cool. average gets going. That kind of sounds like Kevin Pillar a little bit. It really does. Uh, Nobody expected him to hit last year, and there he goes hitting. And uh, 
So yeah, and batting leadoff by by the way, a great spot for him to be. He's at leadoff again today, over four today, but uh, had a couple knocks yesterday. Let's move over to the next game. This one actually just finished, even though it was the second one to kick off today. Or actually, I think it might have been the third because of the rain delay. But either way, rain was really. Uh, wreaking havoc on this Baltimore Twins game. Orioles win 3-2 to two on a walk-off. I want to say it was a Matt Wieters knock that did it. Um, interesting game. I only saw a little bit of it because it was kind of a start-stop, and I was just focused on the games that were were, were going. Unfortunately, it's probably Chris Tillman's best start of the year. I mean, obviously it was. It was first, <laughs> but it was, it was angling to be a great start. Two innings, two clean, perfect innings with five strikeouts. The rain comes, and it was over an hour, I think, so there's no way he or Irvin Santana was coming back. Santana had been hit around a little bit, two hits, four, two walks, so four base runners in two innings, but three strikeouts himself. Neither guy allowed a run, but it was on uh, Alex – was that Alex Presley? No, no, the Ryan, Ryan is the pitcher. Ryan Presley and Tyler Wilson had to come in and, and, and go extended outings there as relievers to kind of get that one. Not a ton of offense here. Do you have any takeaways? Did you watch any of this game? Because I, I watched I want- very little. I watched none of it, but I'm looking at the box score, and, and there's my man Trevor May. Two innings, two hits, four strikeouts, Boom. no walks. Boom. And there's there's the guy that I begrudgingly kept at one dollar, Kevin Jepson, two thirds of an inning, Blowing two hits, it. one run, <laughs> one strikeout, one walk, and took the loss. To, to, um, so to my earlier point about being a year early. Guess who I liked a lot last year? Trevor May. Thought he could be a starter. Looks like he's going to be a, a bullpen, a reliever, but I think he's going to excel in the role. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he was closing at some point this year. But if yeah. not, then next year for sure. And then that what you know for two teams that we you know especially we all know the the Orioles are going to strike out a bunch. They struck out ten times a day. But so do the Twins, and the Twins are going to strike out a bunch too. When you look at Dozier and Sano and Plouffe and Rosario and Park, I mean, it's not like they have a lot of contact hitters in that lineup nope. either. But you know, Adam Jones didn't wait too long to get his first hat trick, and he's the one who. Uh, <laughs> um, the Adam Jones thing kills. I mean, we know the numbers are there at the end of the season, but the the way he gets himself out in some of these bats that just kills me. You know what's crazy is you can watch him, and I don't know if he had any of those dirty strikeouts today. I actually remember one from spring just last week. Actually, it was against Shane Green, and I think yeah. it was the one I took a picture of. You're like, who is that? Flailing at the, yeah, at the 54 foot slider. And I was like, no, dude, that's AJ. But the thing of it is, is one of the things I did see in that game what was his uh, his hit. And it was a double, and it it blasted the wall. Just a perfect swing, smashed it, and it's weird. This happens with a lot of players, but AJ, I see it a lot, Adam Jones. From one at-bat to the next, he can go from being his peak self, which is a superstar talent, to, oh, my God, what are you flailing at? And it's so crazy, and it's part of – it's just kind of part of his game. You know, he's not he's not a very patient hitter. He's not terribly selective. He's a really good hitter. And when he makes contact, it, he can he can absolutely destroy. But that's I, I, funny because if you mention Adam Jones took three strikeouts and then I, my lasting image of him was the double. It's just and then opening by the way, day last... shows how how much he can go side to side. Only stolen base of the game goes to Mark Trumbo. Oh, everyone had that. Four hits for him, by the way. Four for five. No strikeouts. That's the funny thing we should have mentioned, too. They had 10 strikeouts. Mark Trumbo, none of them. But he's a fast starter, right? That, that, this, is, this is his deal. April and May is the time to have Mark Trumbo on your team. And you got to start looking to move him before the come down happens because it's, it's seemingly inevitable, uh, especially you know when he's, when he's at a 900 OPS kind of clip. I wouldn't be surprised if he does his normal thing, just gets off to a great start and then kind of slowly starts to fade as the swing and miss really kicks into high gear. But a huge game for him today. Let's move on to the next one, Seattle at Texas. This was another interesting game, another 3-2 game. Texas wins this one. Cole Hamels getting knocked around a little bit early. It's looking like, oh, what, what's uh, what, what's Seattle going to do here? Are they going to run away with this? A home run by Cano and Seager. That was the craziest part was two lefties hit the home runs and did the damage against Hamels in the first two innings. But then he settled down. He looked good. Seven innings, four hits, two runs, three walks, eight strikeouts, the two bombs. Felix had a really interesting game. Because six innings, one hit. If I just stop there, you're like, wow, yeah, that's fantastic. If I throw on the six strikeouts, you're like, oh, my God, what an amazing game. One earned run. Holy crap, that was a great game. <laughs> five walks. I had to bring it back. Sorry, five walks. And they didn't win. And they did not win. And so here's the thing, too. He earned the five walks. He labored. 
the, the command was not there. And neither was the velocity, and I, I list that second on the two because that's less of a concern to me because we've been seeing his velocity for Felix Hernandez come down and come down and come down you yep. know, all these years. He's got the secondary arsenal to work with it. So I'm not, I'm not even that worried about that. Plus, I think it'll get back up to where it needs to be. But if you can't command the stuff, particularly the secondary stuff, then you're going to be in some big trouble. And so, you know, he kind of he kind of dodged raindrops here today. It could have been a lot worse. Um, some errors hurt him, Marte and Seager. Seager took his eye off a ball when he was going to try to tag Odor, who probably shouldn't have been running, but that's maybe why you run is to maybe throw off the third baseman. That's kind of your your upside of, of doing that when there's a, a ground ball to the left side and you're on second base. Plus, I think he thought that Seager was going to have to go further in, but if he plays it cleanly, I think he does tag him out right there. So a little bit of sloppy defense behind him. How much of this game did you see, and, and what were your takeaways, that, whether you saw any or if you just box score scouted? I only saw the uh, the home run by Cano. Really, I mean, the swing looked like it did in spring training. Same kind of nice line drive home run approach, uh, and that looked good. But other than that, I didn't see anything in this game. I did hear that Mike Montgomery, of all people, came in and struck out the side, yeah. struck out uh, Fielder, struck out Chu, and struck out um, – the Shields? Was that the order? Uh, let's see. Yeah, let's the, see. the other reverse order. Shields, the Shields, Chew, Chew Fielder. Fielder. Yeah. Struck him out. That's not the guy that you would expect to come in in a day full of you can't predict baseball moments. <laughs> I think that's really, along with the Josh Tolley homer, is one of the more unlikely outcomes of the day because when we saw we saw Mike Montgomery you know, get off to the hot, improbable start last Very year and come crashing back down there. I, f- I fell for it, by the way. I fell for it. I, I, think, I think I wrote him up on fan graphs like, I oh. I picked him up in, in Tout Wars last year because I was desperate for a starter, and I cut bait. I think I waited one start too long to cut bait on him. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, that's that's the other thing that stood out when I saw him. Like, really? Well, he did what? Uh, you know, those aren't the hitters that you expect to uh, – to do that too but well what if what if this is his role though you know he's a highly touted prospect started with the royals looking like he was going to become the dude goes over to tampa bay in the big trade the big will myers uh james shields wade davis trade as a kind of a throw-in piece and it's like well maybe tampa can rebuild him and i think they they kind of had some spurts where it looked like maybe something then no didn't work and was he straight up for erasmo ramirez was that the deal Right up. So it was Erasmo for Montgomery, your struggling guy for my struggling guy. Obviously, so far, Tampa Bay is smashing on that. Uh, and, and they probably will continue to because Erasmo will continue to be a starter, uh, at least starting in May once uh, Boxberger's back. But if they get a nice multi-inning reliever from the left side here, if, if that's something that Montgomery can be, that could work. That, that could definitely work and kind of salvage, you know, I, I hate to even say salvage because his career is just getting started. And just yeah, because he didn't pan out it. on prospect hype doesn't mean that you, you got to salvage something. But this could be a nice role for him. It's only one day, but it's two innings, no hits, four strikeouts, including the, the, the heart of the order that he had to go through. Yeah, and Furbush is going to be out for quite a while. So exactly. that, that role is open. Fill in. All right, let's move on to the next game. And this one, I, di- I didn't catch much of this. So all, all I know of it is that is that my boyfriend, Joey Votto, looked like garbage until he didn't. And this is the Cincinnati Reds winning 6-2 to two at home over the Phillies. Rysel Iglesias was going, and I know Rysel was going. I didn't get a chance to look at it, though, but you better believe that's going to be first on my docket a- after the night when I go pick a game or two to watch Late night, so I can zip through them. I'll be watching Rizal start. He looks sharp from the box score, at least. Six innings, six hits, two earned, no walks. Really like that. Seven strikeouts and 90 pitches. So that all looks good there. I'll be surprised if when I watch it, 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 it turns out that uh, it's it's misleading in any way. But uh, maybe, the, maybe the, the big event here is the other side. Jeremy Hellickson looking looking like a beast out there. Six innings, three hits, one run. It was unearned, no walks, six strikeouts. Now it is Cincinnati, and so you can't really get too hyped, I guess, on either because it's Cincy and Philly. Neither lineup is particularly special, but both of these starters look really sharp. I mentioned that Votto uh, did not have a good game, and on Twitter you're hearing, oh my God, these are three of the worst at-bats I've ever seen from Joey Votto. Jeremy Hellickson is embarrassing him. He salvaged it a little bit. He got a base knock, two-run base knock that I think helped break that suck open in the eighth inning when when Cincinnati scored five runs and eventually won right. the game but uh you know I don't know if you watched any of this one I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't because it doesn't really jump off the radar but what, what are you looking at here yeah I think uh, um yeah Helixson struck out Votto all three times from mm-hmm. what my the same Galvis for MVP 
Hockey, Silver Slugger, um, so then, Gold Glove friend sent me. Hellickson for uh, Cy Young, obviously, too. Right. And, and what, one of the things you think of when a guy like Vada was striking out on Hellickson three times, you have to think, okay, so he was in the National League last year, so it's not like he didn't have a book on him as much as, as, as studious as we know that Vado is. That's not the case there. So what is it? And Hellickson, you know, he likes to change eye levels, work up and down. And, and with the change up, uh, my friend was telling me that the, the he was using the curveball more. And that's something that I was always on Hellickson about is, you know, you've got a good one. Use it more. Stop just becoming a two-pitch pitcher. Perhaps that was it. Um, you know, curious to see what your thoughts are on, on that at bat. And uh, it's just unfortunate how that, you know, David Hernandez gets his first shot. And it wasn't it wasn't as closer, by the way. He comes no. in in the eighth inning uh, and couldn't get anybody out. Gave up, you know, three base runners. All three came around to score after the rest of the bullpen um, blew it. So who knows what that how that situation is going to work out like um, uh, with that. And um, I think it could be Dailier Hinojosa, I believe. I don't know if I got that first name right, yeah. but it's D-A-I-L-E-R, I think, or L-I-E-R. But Hinojosa is the last name that you're looking for if you're specking for saves. He he didn't get to pitch today because there was no save situation. So maybe they were holding him just in case uh, it, it came to fruition. Like you mentioned, David Hernandez coming in much earlier than we probably Probably would have thought. I want to circle back on something real fast because another big tidbit in that Texas game that surprised me because I just didn't know if he was going to be ready to go was Sean Tolleson got the save. And he oh, was okay. he was dealing with a back all spring and it had Eno licking his chops thinking that his Sam Dyson was going to pay off. And you also got Sam Dyson as a two dollar spec. Correct. And so I thought maybe that somebody else was going to open the seat. I thought it was going to be Kayla personally, but uh, it, it was neither. It was Tolleson. He was ready to go. Do you think he's going to hold that job all year, or do you think one of Dyson or Keone Kayla is actually going to push him and, and kind of rip that from him? Uh, I, you know, the skills were okay. They weren't, they weren't terrific last year. They were good. Um, so I think there's a chance if he has a hiccup that somebody else comes in and, and takes over that job. So that's why I went ahead with the Dyson play. When you know, in hindsight, it would have been really nice to have Gregerson. But hey, probably, yeah, that, probably. But listen, you didn't want to handcuff. And I understood it, and I'm not. I'm not going to go hindsight and, and be like you should have done it because I wasn't saying it there, and I'm not saying it now. I thought that you made the right play, and Giles burns you again. So I tell you what, even if Giles gets the job back and still gets you 20 saves or something, I don't think we can go back to the well with him next year. We've we've cursed him. I'm blaming us, not him, because for some <laughs> reason, when we get on that guy for fantasy, it doesn't work. We, we, we were invested in Giles. I think we used a 12th round, 12th rounder last year. We took a bunch of heat from one guy. Really love to let us know how, how that didn't work out. Sorry they didn't trade Papelbon in time. Not my fault. But, uh, you know, maybe 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 we're just stricken or, or snake bitten is what I'm looking, looking to say with Giles. And maybe we got to let him be – let him go. If you love something, let it go. And if it loves you, he'll come back and become closer. But we'll see. Let's move over to Atlanta. They uh, they lost a heartbreaker here to the Nats, four to three in ten. They had this one. Bullpen was looking sharp until Grilly came in and blew it, blew it, blew it open. Uh, got it tied, let it get to extras, and then they ended up losing. Max Scherzer versus best pitcher in the universe, Julio Tehran, suck at Chris Liss. No, he wasn't that good. I can't I can't be dropping suckets just yet. Six innings, five hits, two runs, three walks, uh, four strikeouts, two homers. Not a bad outing. Not the end of the world. I want the hat, though. Oh, my God. We got we got to mention the hat. Uh, we didn't even mention that Bryce Harper hit a bomb. We didn't get to the offense yet. Harper hit a bomb and stole a base. What's that called? Combo meal by uh, combo by meal. Nate and Matthew. Nate Ravitz, Matthew Barry. Well, you know, we're, we're going to bite their stuff, but we're going to credit them. Combo meal. I love that name for it when anybody gets a home or stolen base. First combo meal of the year, I believe. Uh, I'm just making that up, to be honest. I have no clue. But – the real win of the game was at after, afterwards when Bryce Harper wore a make baseball fun again hat, kind of in a, a mirror style of the Trump hats. It's actually white with red lettering instead of vice versa. Amazing hat. I love Bryce Harper. I do not, I just do not understand the haters. And yet, as soon as I, I retweeted it, someone posted a picture for us. I retweeted it. He really means make it selfish again. Guys, toxic. Oh, of course. Cool, bro. Cool effing story bro i mean how do you not love this like he wants to make baseball fun and exciting not selfish like what, what's selfish about that i don't get it i just don't get it i don't either i want to get that hat with my don't bunt 16 make america yes. break again shirt yes yeah that would be the per that should be your 
panel Dude, gear. That's, that's the outfit. That's the outfit that I would wear if I could win the, a John Oliver spe- tickets to the Yankee Stadium Legacy Club. That I haven't he had on. I haven't watched. Oh, you haven't yet. seen? There's, I, I, there's a whole bit where he yeah. rails on the Yankees about it. I've seen and some he's like rumors. Twenty five cents. Twenty five cents for tickets to sit in the Legends Club if you will dress like you've never sat in the Legends Club before. Oh. That's the outfit that I would wear. So you you got to wear that with like pleated khaki shorts, sandals, and black socks. Yes, socks and, with sandals. And yes. you got to wear your hat like really weird, not not cool and it like pulled down too far. And you know, I don't know what looks better on you, whether it's a flat or or straight bill, but you got to wear the opposite of whatever looks better on you. I think we can get this done. We can get you in See, there. The problem is you got to toe the line because you know, dude bros do sit in the legend areas. The dude bros typically have the connections to get those tickets. Yeah. So I don't want to dress and look like a dude bro. That's a good point. Because then they'll never be able to distinguish you from a normal dude, bro. And you definitely don't want that. Did we just blast a triple and then get home when uh, they made a throwing error? Hell yes, he did. It's 14 nothing Dodgers. This is painful <laughs> for the freaking uh, Padres here. And we'll, let's just go ahead and jump into that game. Because I'll tell you what, the, the, the hat moment was great. But it might not be the best off-the-field moment, if you will, of the day. And that came from one Vin Scully when he explained what GOAT means. Which, for those of you that don't know, GOAT as an acronym, greatest of all time. And it was it was GOAT. I mean, the GOAT announcer telling everybody else what GOAT means was the best moment of opening day for me so far. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, how does it get better? It doesn't, but I'm old, and I even know what goat means. Well, so yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know what goat means? Ugh. Yeah, I, I, I'd be surprised. I don't, I don't know how you couldn't. It's, it's, it's pretty prevalent. It, it's quite fitting. It's really good. I like it. you got to capitalize it or else people think you're just making fun of somebody because obviously goat, lowercase, <sighs> means something else. It means you're the right. goat. You, you, you messed up. But uh, huge, huge surprise that this 14-0 lead feels safe because Clayton Kershaw's allowed one hit. Oh, that's Clayton. I thought that was C. Layton. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yes, he has the, the one hit came in a third inning, and and that has been it. C. Layton is on uh is is picking up right where he left off. Un- unlike Tyson Ross, who no. uh, yikes, brutal. Five and a third, yikes. nine hits, eight runs, seven of them earned, one strikeout, or excuse me, one walk, five strikeouts. So it wasn't even the walks that that can sometimes bust up Norris or Norris Ross. It, it was hits. It was a lot of hits, a bunch of doubles, not even actually it was just doubles and singles. So it was just solid hits. And here's the thing. Here's an interesting thing. After I think he started 32 games last year, Tyson Ross didn't have a single start where he allowed more than four runs opening day gets popped for seven earned. I mean, that's baseball in a nutshell right there. When when it's like, here's the one thing I'll tell you he's probably not going to do. He's probably not going to give up four runs because he was so good at it last year at avoiding that. Yeah, right. Seven earned really tattoos the ERA for an 11.81. And I really liked him coming into the year. And obviously, I still do. I'm not going to be dissuaded off of uh, just one start. But I thought the revamped infield defense would help him with uh, with Alexi Ramirez, Corey Spangenberg, full-time second baseman. And then, well, here's the thing. Solarte at third sucks. And I don't know how many hits, you know, I, I don't know if any of the nine hits were playable and just didn't get played by the defense. So I don't know if the defense hurt him or anything like that. I've been watching the game kind of on off, but really just focused on Kershaw. Yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, he, he is must-see television it's when he's un- out there pitching. Unbelievable. Speaking of unbelievable, though, I cannot believe that folks with Time Warner Cable they still cannot their effing game. That is the most ridiculous thing that I can think of when it comes to the TV uh, BS that we have to deal with in terms of blackouts and all that sort of stuff. How have they not come to a resolution? They're missing Clayton's C. Layton's prime and the end of Vince Scully. That's criminal. It's absolutely ridiculous. It is criminal, and if they want to fix that, all they have to do is move 600 miles out of territory to be able to watch it. Jeez. Un- unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, uh, that, that's it for the games. Uh, we're kind of caught up there, giving some takeaways. Has anything changed in, in your favorite team's game here? Is it still 5-3 oh, to three now? It's 5-3. to three. They've, they've uh, still left guys on. Farquhar actually you know, gave up a couple of singles, but then you know he was pitching to the heart of the lineup: Bauti- Donaldson, Bautista, and Carnacion, Tulowitzki, and you know none of them scored yet. Uh, got a, co- got a couple case. He's done. Any any Romero's in now, so we'll see if they can pull the late the late heroics. They got to Osuna a little bit, so if he comes out again on a back to back, 
maybe they got a chance to get them. But uh, to wrap up here, I want to talk a little bit. We both did NL auctions yesterday. That's why this is coming out uh, yesterday, meaning Sunday. That's why this is being recorded on Monday and coming out on Tuesday. Talk to me a bit about how it went. I know you, uh, I know you weren't happy. Yeah, I know you weren't <laughs> happy. What, what, what was the game plan, and then what went astray from the game plan? I, so a lot of people had money in this, uh, and I was about middle of the pack, and uh, the pitching prices were just over – were just more than I, I thought was going to happen. I had projected Kershaw at 54 bucks and he went 55. So I'm like, okay, maybe I have this right. And that was about the only one I was close on. <laughs> All the other guys were like Strasburg went 40 something. And, and the, oh yeah, it was big. I mean, it was, there was inflation uh, yeah, factored yeah. in, but yeah, I mean, like, here's some of the pitching prices. Scott Kazmir, 18, Chen, 17, Strasburg, 46, um, uh, Mike Leake, 17, Johnny Cueto, 29. So immediately I'm like, no, you know, James Shields, 19, Shelby Miller, 24. I'm like, I'm out of this. I'm not doing Gio Gonzalez, 22. I was like, I'm just not doing this. Can't happen. Uh, so I just said, you know, I, I started buying, I bought Stanton early for 43, uh, Bruce for 20, uh, Jerko at 12, Utley for three, uh, Cameron Rupp for 11. This is $280, by the way, guys, 25 man roster, extra pitcher, extra batter. Okay. Uh, and then pitching wise, I ended up with Adam Warren, Ross Stripling, uh, O from the Cardinals, Pomeranz, Romo and Diaz. Okay. So I, mean, I figured, okay, I'm going to, let's see how many saves I can steal. Um, because closers were going like Jer Jeffress went 17, um, uh, McGee wow. went 23, uh, you know, Fernando Rodney hit yeah, that awful carcass went $13. <laughs> you actually, uh, you actually mentioned both of my closers in my NL. We had inflation, but, um, we also added holds this year. So it kind of depressed the closer prices a little bit. And actually it was weird because I, here's the thing. When you do saves holds, yes, you don't have to go as hard on closers, but the weird thing was all the money funneled over to the middle relievers to where they almost became overrated you know they're going they're going low double digits high single digits for guys and it's like they don't always get you know you don't see 40 holds from somebody you see a couple guys in the 30s but for the most part it's a bunch of guys in the 20s so i was kind of surprised there i ended up getting jeffress for 12 and mcgee for 15 because i don't worry about mcgee in in colorado i don't think he's really going to have sure. any issues with it so i went that way and then caminero for four bucks to maybe steal some holds he did not come in in the eighth yesterday it was actually neftali feliz you know and i discussed that that could just be a one-day thing. Maybe Caminero pitched a couple games right leading up into the season. We don't really know. But uh, I, I, I like that situation. Uh, I wouldn't have paid 23 for McGee, and I certainly wouldn't have paid 17 for Jeffers. So I understood why you laid off there. I just I had to. I, mean, I, I mentioned earlier I picked up $2 Colin Walsh. Uh, and then there's no, you don't draft reserves in this draft. You can fab them after week one. So I can okay. pick up some guys on the bench, but they, for whatever reason, reserves aren't drafted. They are, they are part of your free agent. Uh, so they got to come That's out of your free agent budget. Yeah. I guess it makes you a little more judicious with your free, plus you yeah. can't zero, you can't zero bid either. So, okay. So you can um, just go willy nilly and, and, and right. reserve the world. Right. Okay. That, 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 so, that, that's an interesting quirk. I've never played like that, but that doesn't mean I like it. Just, yeah, neither am I. So there were a couple of guys. There, you know, there was. Some, I ran out of roster spots, so there's still a couple of guys I wanted, and I was like, "Yeah, not going to get them." Uh, you know, so I ended up feeling if I, I I had to take Brett Wallace at first base because he was literally the last person that qualified at first base. And I kept I kept trying trying to get Sean Rodriguez out because uh, the first base pool. I mean, it's, just, it's it rough. went crazy. Mark Reynolds went ten, and uh, you know, Scott Van Slyke went eleven. Wait, you know, what? I'm telling you, this is what this is how much money was out there on the table. See, that's the thing. And even and I factored it in, I still couldn't pull the trigger on something. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, not doing it. Same because I factored it in for hours and it was showing prices like fifty three for Stanton and McCutcheon. But this league they they I've been in this league for a long time now, and they, they're not going to pay that high. I think the highest was uh, was Goldie, and he didn't even get over 50, and it was like 36% calculated inflation. He really should have, but again, all that money went to the mid-tier, and that's what it messed it up. So like all these clowns in the middle, and I mentioned the middle relievers, that's where all the inflation went to, and obviously you don't want to be in on that. So I almost wish I would have bought two superstars. Here's a shock. Everyone sit down. It's an OBP league. Guess who I got? I got Joey. I know that's going to surprise everybody listening, but uh, I paid 43 for him. 
And frankly, with the value, with the inflation value that I had, I would have gone a few bucks higher. I thought they were going to tax me on him. Thankfully, they didn't. And I appreciated that. However, there's always a couple guys every year that they jam me up on. No doubt. I know I'm not trying to be arrogant. Be like, oh, they listen to me. And so they they do it. They know a couple guys just to try to needle me. And it was Adam Conley this year. Eight yeah. bucks. I'm not paying eight bucks for Adam Conley. Come on. I couldn't. Uh, Adam Conley never even came up. Somebody already had him. And this, he never had a oh, chance. So he didn't to even get a up. shot. Never had a shot. Um, and then the, um, oh, I also paid twenty five dollars for Daniel Murphy in there because that was getting that part of the draft where you're looking at, okay, this is where the talent pool is. So I also grabbed a bunch of guys that qualify at multiple spots. So I've got that going. I'll be able to move a couple of guys around, like have the Jerko that goes in both spots up the middle, and Murphy that can move around, Dietrich that I, that I kept that I can move around, you know, those kind of things. And then we'll see where uh, how many places Walsh ends up playing uh, for them as a Rule Five guy. So we'll see what happens. I think I can stay competitive, but by he, no means is this is this a, a a first place team coming out of the draft. That's all right though. I don't, I don't, I no longer like that. I don't give a shit about winning the draft anymore. Pardon my language. I do not give a crap about winning the draft. I, I, it happens sometimes, you know, first off, and I, I think we've said this on this podcast. I've heard other guys say it. You should win your draft. You're drafting off of your own projections. Of course, your yep. system should have you win. I know that you've beat, beaten that drum for sure. So it's not even that special. If you want to if you want to pound your chest about winning it, ask everybody else around the room if they're using a different projection system how you did. And if you won all of those, okay, maybe you got yourself a, a superstar team. But the fact is, and we've, we've hammered this point home, it's about in-season management, uh, an area that both of us are looking to work on this year and be better at, be more aggressive with Fab, get some of those superstars who you're not going to know are going to be superstars yet. You've got to take some chances. And so we're, we're going to see how it goes this year. And I will I will use that as a way to transition over to our, our labor mix team where we made a couple pickups. And we'll cover those real fast because we do have Jung Ho Gung, who started the season on the DL, and uh, Carter Caps which obviously we drafted a long time ago. If you remember, that was a mid-February draft for labor, mixed labor, and so Carter Caps' arm hadn't exploded yet. So we had those two guys. Obviously, we knew Gung would be a DL guy, but we didn't necessarily know Caps. We went with Cody Anderson and Yunel Escobar. We got him for 4 bucks each, and I feel actually pretty good about that. What do you, what'd you think? I was happy when I saw that because I went in on Saturday to see what, you had, what we were putting him for, and I was like, Oh, okay, good. We're on the same page. Yeah. Uh, so figure... Obviously, we, we know we need to pick up pitching. We made our deal to, um, you know, we're losing caps before the game's. And then we, the yeah, we'll talk about a trade. It was unfortunate. Yeah. And so we we, moved, we picked up a pitcher there, but obviously we still need more pitching depth. So getting a second guy was nice uh, out of it to help cover. So, I mean, we had a two DL spots that we could use for it. So we didn't have to give up anything that we drafted in order to get either of these guys. And that's what I liked about it. And we had Derek Dietrich, who we could have slid in the third, but he is the guy who we kind of need to 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 break uh like get some playing time get a break that way because right now he's a platoon guy we can use him to fill in he does have some good pop but the only reason the only way we're going to use him as a full-time guy in our lineup in this kind of mixed league even 15 teams is honestly if something happens where he either earns the playing time and ousts somebody or if there's an injury and not that we're cheering for injury but if that happens and he happens to fill in whether it's third base for prado or in the outfield for any of those uh, other three guys out there then we'll, we'll be using him. You now Escobar starting. He's batting at the top of the lineup. I know it's not a great lineup, but he's still in front of Trout and and Pujols, and I think that that's useful. So we, we got a plug in at third, and we made a deal. Uh, so let's cover our deal. Unfortunately, our pitcher that we did get is already hurt in that deal, but I don't think it's a DL situation. I think it's a pushback situation, if I recall correctly from what I read. And yes. we, we dealt – Edwin Encarnacion and Matt Latos, who, by the way, I, I mentioned this when, when he signed the deal that maybe he was three mil for a reason. We love the deal. We, we praised it, and I stand behind praising it. But at the same point, the, the downside is it could have just been the fact that he was three mil because his medicals are a mess and not so much just because he's a jerk or anything like that. So that was, that was in the picture. And then he had a rough spring. So we just said, you know what? We're not going to mess with it. Let's just jump out of that. Encarnacion and Matt Latos, we get back Lorenzo Cain and Ian Kennedy. So we got back two Kansas City Royals. 
I like the deal. Obviously, we talked about it. I'm not a huge before before first pitch kind of trade guy. We had a good, good offer from Jake Steele, a really good competitive offer that we just turned down because we didn't feel comfortable making the move before the regular season started. But Zinke came to us. We, we hammered out a deal. First off, the easiest person in the world to trade with. That's why he gets a million deals done. Really accommodating, really wants to work towards something. And we came to this. I like it. I need you to I need you to uh, give everybody your pitch on Kane too because you're you're loving him and you got me jazzed up about him. So well, let's talk about the the genealogy of this whole deal. So he, you know, as it always is the case, Fred comes to you and says, "Hey, I want a guy. Yeah, uh, G- so, give me, give me, please. Give me. He's very nice. So please. you know, he said, I, you know, I'm, I would like. Are you guys interested in moving Edwin Encarnacion? Um, you know, I'm looking. I need to have. I just I just traded he just traded for Lorenzo Cain. No, he had drafted Lorenzo Cain. He had just traded for another outfielder. And he goes, I'm heavy in outfielders and I have Lorenzo Cain. And so people understand we took Encarnacion on the way back to us in the second round. So he was kind of, you know, he was in the upper half of the second round. And Cain was um, towards the back end of the third round. Because if you remember listening to this podcast as we talked about all of this. Um, by the way, Kevin, oh, that's Desmond Jennings stealing bases. That's like Kevin Kiermaier is running all over the place anyhow. Um, but the uh, we had talked about, hey, maybe we'll take Kane here. Like, oh, you know what? No, let's take Carrasco. If Kane comes back to us, we'll take him in the fourth. And Kane went like two picks later. Um, so then we ended up getting Gomez. So now, you know, ideally, ironically, we have both guys that we wanted hey, yeah, we uh, for that both. spot. We wanted um, but we had tried in the first offer, so we said, you know, it, let's go down and look at the, the bottom. So he said he was looking for power. So I said, hey, let's offer Jason Worth and get back Melky. Because he, he also, he goes, I need to have one uh, one fewer outfielder when this trade when this trade's over. So I was like, okay, we need to make a deal for two outfielders and give up one and re- uh, give up one in return um, out of this. So we, um, who's the other guy we was the, who's the other guy we dealt? What was the well? Uh, it was it was. Well, Kane. he just basically he wanted yeah he wanted he wanted to have he he needed fewer outfielders. Yeah, and it was Edwin Latos was the eventual deal. Was it Edwin and Worth in the no? We, we tried to give two or we tried to yeah. get two outfielders. Yeah, it was Edwin and Worth for Melky and Kane originally, wasn't it? And then we shifted yeah. to the pitcher. Yeah, he said he valued he valued Melky more than Worth. So then we said okay, we need pitching. So let's see, let's do a pitcher swap. And he was just looking for somebody he's going to cut because he's also very active and fab anyhow. So giving up Latos for Kennedy. I mean, not that, you know, if Ken, let's, let's be honest, if Kennedy wasn't on a different team, we're probably not doing anything. No, it's, it's not doing this. It's, it's the move to KC that, that yep. really inspired us to go ahead and take a shot because we think that that's going to suit him well. Kennedy's already got the K's in order and if he can if he can have that outfield defense and that ballpark leverage some of his fly ball tendencies into more outs we think it can be solid and it doesn't have to be overwhelming but if you get like a 350 era a 120 whip boatload of k's boatload of w's we'll take that all day so we moved down around we moved down around and ended up getting a better pitcher out of it because of it yeah exactly Um, and not like i mean and then it also helps me. Yeah, you know, it also helps me feel better about it because it's it's getting Kane, a guy that um, I, I value as a top three to five AL MVP selection this year. Well, and that's where I that's where I see him. If it was another player, this deal would have been a little harder to make. But because and and the fact that you know you were slick and got Pedro Alvarez for us in the reserves. So boom. when we look at giving when we look at giving away the power. Yeah, Carnacio. Let's say you know, I think I had him down. We had him down as like a 34 homer hitter, 34, 35, right? So let's say we've got Kane at 20, and Alvarez should be able to fall into that many. So um, we can you know move somebody else into the line, get Alvarez into the lineup, get somebody else out of it. So the power's a wash. We're gaining speed and we're getting a better pitcher for us. It, it made sense for both teams. It got him the power that he needed, um, and and it obviously got us the pitching we needed. Plus, it allowed us to round our lineup out a little better yeah it, di- it didn't really hurt us too much in the power because we took the gamble on alvarez i took the gamble on him in a couple different leagues before he signed figuring you know what see what see what happens obviously in a mixed league we didn't care where he signed necessarily but the fact that it was baltimore really helped also got him in an al only signed I'm pretty happy about it. I think it's just going to be some cheap power, nothing overwhelming. We know he's not going to be a batting average uh, boon or anything like that. But uh, no, I, I, I like this deal, and it takes a lot for me to do a, a before the first pitch kind of deal. And uh, I think we're going to end up being happy with it. We just need 
to avoid the catastrophic injury because I think that that's something that's killed us in the past. Um, and last year, we took the brunt of Felix's bad starts. I think all of them were on our team. And we did that was a trade that we did with Fred as well. We gave him Donaldson for, for Hernandez. It wasn't straight up. Obviously, there was a small piece on each side to balance out the, the hitting and pitching. But we just didn't get what we were supposed to, quote unquote, supposed to out of Hernandez because it was supposed to be a Kershaw Hernandez one two punch and we were going to dominate the league. And guess what we did not do? We did not dominate the league, but we have to this year. And our boy Stroman kicking it off brilliantly. And guess who yeah, would have been? He looked really good. He would have been involved in that first deal. And that's where I had the tough time pulling the trigger um, on that trade with, uh, with Sealy. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the other thing with, with Stroman and talking about that start, because I don't know if you guys did um, earlier today, you know, Mike Winters was the umpire in that game, and he co- was calling a very low strike zone, and that's gonna, that that kind of thing is going to be perfect for Stroman because he lives down in that part of the zone. Would you so, say, you know, who'd you say it was, by the way, umpire? Mike Winter, Mike Winters. Okay, if you guys can, if you're DFS players and yep. you're the hardcore type, who will look up? It's it's hard when there's a new series because you don't really know who's going to work the plate. But once the series has started, they rotate. So when he's at third base, Mike Winters, if he's if he's at third base one day, and you know Stroman's pitching the next day, or anybody else who could take advantage, I they of rotate it. down from first base. Okay, I'm stupid then. If he's at first base, either yeah, way, it's a, it's, I, it's I a rotation. They, yeah, I believe they rotate down to third base. Okay, so um, if it, if he's at first base, Mike Winters, and you got somebody who's going on the mound the next day who can benefit from a low zone, maybe that's somebody that you play on. And I I don't know all the tendencies of all the umpires, but it is an angle. Um, in, in a situation where it's hard to get a leg up in DFS, you know, you're not just going to get a leg up based on platoons, but everybody knows the base skills of guys. That could be a situation where if you're diligent enough to kind of follow the, the umpires, you might be able to leverage that. I know a lot of handicappers who, who do that. Yeah. And one of the things that I look at in, in this game is, you know, once, once you start getting that low strike zone call, then you have to start, you have to go down there and protect that. And this is why a guy like him, as long as he's locating down there, is going to get those strike calls. And then everybody's got to go down. They can't let the pitch go, so they're going to try to get down there. And if you get down there and you if you watch this game, you saw it. It was mostly ground balls and a lot of weak contact because, I mean, the calls were low. They were down below the kneecap. But the, now you got to go down there and chase and protect, and you're playing into his hand. So a lot was being made to like, wow, you know, Strowman's at 65 pitches after seven innings. Well, yeah, because he's throwing first pitch strikes down there, and you're either going to take it or you're going to swing at it. And the Rays are uh, more—they're doing—they started this last year, more aggressive approach, trying to go down there and uh, you know get ahead, try to try to hit the strikes earlier in counts, and and you know it worked against them yesterday. It's you know, kind of worked against them today as well. Um, but you know they found success some success off it and it's a lot I, I prefer it over the passive approach and you know, it worked for the Royals obviously last year too a lot of their early attacking uh, in the count too so uh, that's really the thing with Stroma but the umpire angle is definitely something to look at it's something that I've looked at I know another angle I'm, I'm always on the eye for is if you've got a left-handed starting pitcher out there and Laz Diaz is behind the plate Laz Diaz will give the lefty on lefty two feet off the plate oh. zone all day long okay another good one of his favorite and then uh, who's the guy uh, who's the guy the, there's an umpire they call postage stamp it's like one of the guys <laughs> i don't know that's a good nickname obviously oh they call him postage stamp umpire. He's, oh i'm trying to think who they call postage stamp uh, i'm trying to look it up but there's an umpire out there called postage stamp who's really really tight on his strike zone so it's like okay that's the guy that i'm gonna go ahead and skip um, because we've got, you know, if, if he's struggling with command, this guy's not getting calls. Maybe uh, uh, maybe you need to start a new Twitter feed with, with your umpire tips, man. It seems like you're all over this. I, I love that. Angel Hernandez, it's, it's all over the place. You never know what you're going to get out of Angel, nope. Fern- Angel Hernandez. I dr- the guy drives me crazy. Joe West, he'll probably eject your pitcher, so don't even use a pitcher when he's behind the dish. He loves hey, wait, ejecting. Whoa, whoa. Joe West, I believe, retired. Wait, I think whoa, he, last wait, year was what? his last year. I think Joe West retired. Oh, man. Country Joe West. I love making fun of that dude. Oh, well. I, 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 maybe I'm off here. I thought he retired. Maybe I'll just have to troll his. I uh, think he won't. Maybe but... I'll just troll his. Uh, um, oh, what's the word? Oh, his, his country music career. I'll go to his concerts and start trolling him there or something. For some reason, I thought he said he was. I thought last year was like his walking tour. Let's but see. Let's see. I guess not. No. No, he's still going? Yeah. Oh, it says. Sorry, oh, no, but we're stuck with Joe, country Joe West. Joe West. 
Oh God. That's okay. the headline of, of, of this one here. Okay, uh, maybe, maybe I wasn't off. I could have sworn he had said he was going to retire. Maybe, maybe he announced that it will be this year so that he can get the tour. I don't know. I, would they do that for an umpire? I would, that would be the worst. I, I, you I, know, you know, if it would be for one umpire, though, it would be him because he loves making it about himself, and that's what drives folks nuts about Country Joe West. Now we've de- we've devolved into umpire talk, and it's not it's not <laughs> the good umpire talk anymore. The good fantasy tidbits for it. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. I, I need you to uh, I need I need to get you off here so you can watch the rest of that game. Phrasing. Uh, I need you to be able to watch the rest of that hoops game that you're looking to watch. North Carolina got a four point lead with a couple minutes left in the first half. We'll be back next Sunday. We're going to get on that regular schedule. I know I keep promising that, but uh, you're still going to get three a week, and that's the important part. It doesn't really matter when they come out. But you know, uh, you know, and I will be back Wednesday. Jason and I will be back on Sunday, and hopefully the next time we talk, my Tigers are 5-0. and Take care, Jason. See you, man. Hey, y'all. I'm coming to you after the show with a, with a quick little rant, and I apologize. Put it at the end of the show. If you want to just stop, you can stop. But I got to address a little something here, and it has to do with our our reviews. And I read one of the reviews, and uh, you know, it kind of got after me for asking for the reviews. And listen, I know when I first started doing it, I did it every single episode without fail. That's because it was new, and I wanted to pump up the reviews. And then I kind of backed off, and now I do it, you know, every other or two in a row, skip three, two in a row, skip one. You know, not as not as often, but I still mention it. Every once in a while, and listen, I don't know why anybody would get mad about that. That that really boggles my mind and actually kind of bothers me, which is why I decided to, to do this little postscript here. We're doing a free podcast, right? And and I got no problems with that, obviously. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we would charge or anything like that, but I'm saying that's about the only thing that we ask of y'all is to obviously listen and enjoy it. But if you got a little bit of time and you do love the show, Give us a rate and review. And, you know, some people need to have their memory jogged on that. I know that for the podcasts that I love, when they mention it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I will do that. You know, kind of jog my memory. I'm not always thinking about it. So I don't know how a 10-second little deal where I'm asking you all to do that is so problematic that it has to be included in one of the reviews. So I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe I'm I'm being a clown for even doing this and and coming on and and complaining about that complaint. But uh, I I can't hear it and I can't let it go unchecked because I think I think it's kind of kind of crummy that you try to make me feel bad for asking for that when that's really the only thing that we ask for y'all. We want to have success with the podcast. We want it to be really good. And the way to do that is to excel in iTunes and Stitcher and all those other places where it shows up and reviews and ratings drive that. So that's, that's the deal. We're just asking for like a little bit of your time to go in there, pop a five star or three star if that's what you think it is or a four or a two or a one, whatever the heck you think it is. And then just write a little comment. And you don't even necessarily have to write a comment. But if you are going to write a comment, certainly please do not write a comment saying, why'd you ask for this? Well, why wouldn't I? And, and I think it's pretty self-explanatory why I would do that. So anyway, listen, I, I appreciate y'all, even those, even those of you who are against it and, and the gentleman who did the comment, I still appreciate you listening. I'm not necessarily mad at you. I'm more mad at just the idea that that you're so offended by it because it's not the first. I've heard it on Twitter, a couple other people. Stop asking for the rating and review. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it every episode. I already committed to that after the first flood where I probably did it 10 episodes in a row. But I'm going to continue to do it. As Derek Van Riper, my co-host on another podcast, said, it's our, it's our tip jar without money. You don't even got to pay money. You just got to take a little bit of your time. We're asking for a little bit of your time. Uh, to, to show your appreciation if you like the show or give us some constructive critiques if you think there's things that can be better. So anyway, this is now way too long. Sorry I had to, I had to go off on a rant, but uh, appreciate you listening. Guys, as always, thank you. Bye.